You are listening to Words of Encouragement, the preaching ministry from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Winsboro, Louisiana. Do you lift up Christ? That's today's topic. Do you lift up Christ? Today on Words of Encouragement. I want to ask a question. Do you lift up Christ? Do you lift Him up in your daily lives? Do you lift Him up in your daily conversations? How do you lift up Christ? As your pastor, one of my responsibilities is to encourage myself, (laughs) if I can encourage myself, but to encourage all of us in our daily lives to make Christ evident and obvious. And I do this not for my benefit. I don't, I don't encourage you to live a life for Christ because it benefits me, but because it benefits you. Uh, I'm, I, I'm a, I am like a cheerleader here. I am a shepherd who just kind of guides you along and just kind of be, it kind of is a, uh, uh, just a reminder of who you are in Christ. Now, the Holy Spirit does a lot better job than I do, but one of my responsibilities as your pastor is to remind you to lift up Christ. I don't get gold stars on my chart when you honor God by sharing Jesus with others, but you do benefit as well as others when you lift up Christ. When you lift Him up, you benefit and they do as well. Today I hope to lead us to strongly consider our role in lifting up Christ in this world. If you are able and willing, I'm going to ask that you stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God from John chapter 3, verses 9 through 16. Actually, let's look at verses 14 through 15, but we will be looking at that entire passage. The Bible says in verse 14, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness... Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes will in Him have eternal life. May God bless the reading of His Word. I invite you to be seated this morning. This is a very well-known passage of Scripture. You notice we're not going to verse 16 Because we know verse 16 very well, but I want us to look at what happened before that verse. We have Nicodemus, a man who has a little difficulty here, uh, believing what he has heard. He's a man of the Pharisees, a ruler of the Jews. He comes to Jesus at night. He's curious, but he's not quite curious enough to ask Jesus out in the open and in the daylight in front of people his questions especially not in front of his fellow Pharisees, that would not go too well for him. In fact, one Bible scholar feels that since a, a lot that is a lot of bad situations seem to occur at night during the Scriptures, that Nicodemus comes at night to show that he is in a point of spiritual darkness. I found that interesting, uh, since that is kind of associ- bad things associated with night and Nicodemus is in a spiritual darkness. and Like I say, that's just a, a Bible scholar who, since, who knows that 
uh, culture feels that way. He says he's in need of being enlightened, and yet Nicodemus wants to be enlightened. He's in need of being enlightened, and he wants to be. He comes with curiosity. So Jesus speaks with him. Jesus talks with him. Nicodemus re- recognizes that uh, what God did uh, with Jesus. How else could Jesus do what he has done? How could he perform miracles? How could he do what he's done except it be from God? Jesus tells Nicodemus that he must be born again. Born again. Now this is this is more shocking than it sounds even. Well, how can I be born again? I can't, am I supposed to enter into my mama's womb again and be born again? How is this supposed to happen? Nicodemus is a Jew and he is one who was taught that he would inherit the kingdom of God. To have this born again issue is foreign to him. He asks how a person can be born again. I mean, once you've been born, here you are. He doesn't understand it. Jesus tells him he's not speaking of a physical rebirth, but a spiritual rebirth. Look at verse 9. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? How can these things be? I think Jesus ribs him a little bit, but is serious when he asks him, are you the teacher of Israel and do not understand these things? You are one who teaches, you are one who teaches the scriptures, and you don't understand, you're not grasping what I'm talking about. It's kind of, you know, you're supposed to know things, you're supposed to know stuff, you know, you're supposed to be knowledgeable of, of, of spiritual things, Nicodemus, and you don't know what I'm talking about. If you feel that you ha- are able to teach the rest of Israel, additional laws to that of God, then you must know something. You must know something, Nicodemus. Look at verse 11. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen, and you do not accept our testimony. Jesus is speaking of what he and his disciples know and what they have seen in their ministry. Look, they had seen some things. They had seen healings. They had seen Jesus at work. And they had seen some miracles occur. Lives have been changed. Lives have become a part of the family of God. And he's asking Nicodemus to believe. But he and the other Pharisees just do not. Look at verse 12. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Jesus has told him what the Holy Spirit has done on earth, and yet the Pharisees fail to believe. God's been at work. Don't you see it? Don't you see it? He's asking. You're not believing. If that is true, if 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 they've seen and heard or at least heard about what has happened and do not believe, then why in the world would Nicodemus believe in heavenly matters that Jesus would share with him? Look at verse 13. No one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. In other words, what Jesus is saying here is no one is qualified to speak of heavenly things unless they've been there. 
Oh, my, yes, unless they've gone to heaven and returned to speak of them. Jesus is the one who was there, and Jesus is the one who came down, and he speaks of heavenly things with authority. He knows. There's no, oh, well, I don't know if that's true. I know Jesus said it, but I just don't know. No. I mean, you can, there are people in this world who live like that, and they live like that about everything they hear. Oh, well, I don't think so. I don't think so. You know, that bridge collapsed at a really interesting time this week. And right before the president talked about restructuring bridges. Oh, let's get a conspiracy going. I bet you they, I bet you they did that. I mean, there are, there, there are people who just question every single little thing. But when it comes to Jesus, accept what he says. Don't, don't sit there and say, well, I don't know. He said that. I know. But I just, I don't know. I, I don't think it's true. Look, if you can't trust Jesus... You're out there, drifting, floating. You, know, you have nothing. There is no hope for you. So trust in Jesus. Well, here he is, and he speaks of heavenly things, and he's the one who's been in heaven, and he's the one who came down to share about what is there. What is there? The things that pertain to the government of God, those things which are hidden from human view, the more profound things pertaining to the redemption of mankind. Jesus has been there. He knows the vast amount of knowledge that exists and we don't have a clue. Some of us think, we've, well, we, we, we know stuff. Well, you know stuff. You don't know all stuff. I don't either. You and I can have information in our heads and it can never make it to our hearts. We can have information about things and it never gets into our hearts where we're living it out. We can be told all day that we need to be born again by the Holy Spirit. But until that happens, it is simply information in our heads. Nothing has occurred. Nothing's changed. Yeah, I know if I trust in Jesus that then He'll give... I'm a new creature. The Bible tells me I'm a new creation in Christ. The Bible tells me I, 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 will, I, I will begin to be more like Him. And that, there's a change that occurs in the mind and in the heart. I know that. But have you experienced that? Has it become real in your life? That's a very good question. Until it's real, it's simply information in our heads. We, can, we cannot lift up a Jesus we do not know. We cannot lift up a Jesus we do not know. We cannot say, oh, Jesus is the way, the truth, and life, unless we have experienced that, unless we know that, unless we're living that. We're not going to do anything about that, telling anyone about him. We cannot lift up a Jesus we do not know. When Nicodemus, he gets an opportunity to believe in something he can see. Look at verse 13 again. No one has ascended into heaven. But he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Jesus descended from heaven. He descended from heaven, but he came down to be lifted up. He came down to be lifted up on a cross. But he came down to be continually lifted up to, the, to this world in which we live. Look at verse 14. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. What in the world is he talking about there? Well, the people knew. 
Nicodemus knew. These people knew the scriptures. Do we, do we know what he's talking about here? In the Old Testament, we find the story of Moses and the Israelites who were complaining because of their situation. Oh my goodness, I'm glad we don't do that. Boy, I'm glad we're not complainers. Ooh, boy. These, oh, these, you know, these were people in the Old Testament back then. You know, we're different. We, we don't complain, so hallelujah. We can't identify with this, can we? Oh, my. Boy, can we. <laughs> boy, can we. They were complaining because of their situation. Listen to this from Numbers chapter 21. The people spoke against God and Moses. Woo-hoo, they stepped out there, didn't they? Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? Look, here we are wandering in, these, in this wilderness. It's, it's, been, it's been a while and it's going to be a longer while and this is getting annoying. Well, they're talking against God and Moses. There's no food and no water and we loathe. Now listen to what they said. There is no food and no water and we loathe this miserable food. Now they just contradicted themselves, didn't they? It wasn't the food they wanted. It wasn't the food they liked. But it was food that sustained their bodies that was given to them by God himself. Oh, but man, we don't like it. It's, I mean, you, you, you almost see the childlike uh, attitude in them. Again, I, I'm, you know, hey, we're not like that. Now, we, don't, you know, we don't do that. We don't go down to age five again in our lives very often, do we? I almost see it every day. It's sad. <laughs> People that just, Meh. Okay, they loathe this miserable food, they say. And then this is what happens. Now, these are God's people that He loves dearly. He loves them. He has chosen them. They are special to Him. He loves these people that He has called to be His people. They are His people. But it says, The Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people. So that many of people of Israel died. Oh my goodness, what in the world? What had they done? They had spoken against God. You don't do that. <laughs> so the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned. They, they realized what they'd done. They came and they said, we have sinned because we have spoken against the Lord and you. Intercede with the Lord, they say, that he may remove the serpents from us. They knew what they'd done. They said, oh my goodness, we're gonna, we got to confess. We've got to get right with the Lord. They understood what was happening. They understood what they needed to do, and they did it. They came and asked, oh, intercede with the Lord. Please have him remove these serpents from us. And Moses interceded for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on a standard, on a pole. And it shall come about that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, he will live. And Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on the standard. And it came about that if a serpent bit any man, when he looked to the bronze serpent, he lived. Now, Jesus, this is very interesting. You would not think that Jesus would say, hey, look. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, I must be lifted up. He compares himself to a serpent. Now, whoa, Brother Craig, don't say that. Well, he does. <laughs> In like manner that this serpent was lifted, Jesus needs to be lifted. Now, you can see the obvious parallel here, I hope. 
Look at verse 15. So that whoever believes will in him, capital H-I-M, have eternal life. If those who are sin sick will look to Jesus, what's going to happen? They will be healed. They will be forgiven. But the point for today for us is, first, Jesus must be lifted up. He must be lifted up. If they can't see Jesus, they won't look to Jesus. If there is no one to look to, how is forgiveness going to occur? Jesus must be lifted up. In order for people to be forgiven, they need to be able to see the one who can forgive them. This is, this is so basic and yet so profound. My goodness, if, he's, if he is lifted up, people see and people can be forgiven. It's, it, it's just so, it's almost, it's almost uh, just, uh, my word befuddling. It's, it's almost confusing. It's almost just amazing, uh, hard to understand, hard to believe that this is all it takes. But Jesus, when he's lifted up, amen, all men. It's what the Bible tells us. He will draw all men to himself. Jesus speaks of himself being lifted up, and that day is coming for him soon in this passage of Scripture. Keep, when you look at this, this time is coming. You know, it's, it's going to happen, and he's speaking of this. Soon, Nicodemus would be able to have something he had not only heard about, but could experience. Jesus being lifted up. Oh, my goodness. This is what he's talking about. And I can see Nicodemus realizing, oh, ho, he was talking about this, this cross. This, this is what he's talking about. This is happening. This is going to happen. You can preach to people for years, but until, you, until they see Jesus lifted up in your life, there is no reason for them to believe what you have been saying. Trusting in Christ and lifting him up go hand in hand. You can hear and believe the Word of God all day, but until you do it, there is no evidence. Until you live it out. People need to see Jesus in your life, in my life, through how we live, through how we act. Every single day, they need to see Him. And, I, and listen, you don't, you don't have to preach to people like a preacher preaches to a congregation. Most people won't listen to that. Amen? Gotcha. <laughs> it's true, though. A lot of people, they don't want to be preached to. Don't, don't, don't preach to me. Don't preach to me. You know, if they don't know Christ, they definitely don't want to be exposed to the Word of God. You know, it's not something that's on their list of to-do things that day. You know, that's not there on their to-do list to hear somebody talk to me about Jesus. No, preach to me about Jesus. But they might just listen to you talk to them about Jesus. You know, they just might listen if you know them. People need to see Jesus in our lives. We, most people in this day and age, I, the, the shocking latest uh, polls that have been taken are that a lot of people just feel they don't need Jesus. They don't need the church. They don't need Jesus. They don't need, and they would say, they don't need religion. Well, I, don't, I hope you don't need religion. You need Jesus. That's what you need. You don't need just a little set of practices that you go run through every day. You need Jesus, a, a walk with Christ. And people need to know what that's about, and they need to see that. We, 
and they need to see it being lived out in front of them. This is how Jesus is lifted up. This is how we lift him up. We lift him up uh, when we are fair, when the world would say, well, you don't have to be. You know, the, the world would say, well, you got wronged. You just wronged them back. And Jesus says, the Bible tells us, turn the other cheek. Oh, man. The world tells us one thing, and, and God says, no, you know what? That's not what I want you to do. We, we show Jesus when we do what he wants us to do. He's lifted up when you forgive someone who has hurt you. Boy, that's one, of, that's one of my personal pet peeves is those who run around with grudges. They live with grudges in their lives. And I'm thinking, man, how do you do it? How do you do it? That takes so much. You know, you've got to have your list of people that you've got to remember to not talk to. You've got to have, you know, those that you've got to remember, places you don't want to go because you might run into them and all this kind of stuff. My goodness, do you realize how wonderful it is to walk freely in this world because you have no grudges? Do you, do, do, do you, do some of you understand what that's like to be able to just go anywhere? I don't have any fear of running into somebody who, who, who I have a problem with, you know? Oh, they may not like, they still may not like me, but I've forgiven them and I'm moving on. I'm treating them with respect and I'm being nice to them anyway. Because that's what God wants us to do. And look, when we do that, we're lifting up Jesus. We're showing the world who He is. He's lifted up when you and I are patient with others. He's lifted up when we put other people first. He's lifted up when you and I sacrifice our time to meet the needs of others. He is lifted up when we control, oh boy, control our temper. Jesus is lifted up. Jesus is lifted up when we encourage others. He's lifted up when we are generous with blessings that He has given to us. We lift Him up each time we drop what we're doing when He calls on us to do something for Him. It's amazing. We lift Him up when we take care of the poor, the orphans, and the widows. We lift Jesus up. All of those sound fairly simple. But every one of those matter. And when we talk about Jesus, and when we share the good news of the gospel of Jesus, it's as if we're just lifting him higher. We're lifting him higher. So that the world can see who he is, so that they too can have forgiveness of sins, so that they too can have a relationship with Jesus. Each one of these matter enough that others will notice and they will wonder what makes you do what you do. What is it? Why are you always so nice? Why do you always have to come in here with a smile? Man, I love that. I love it. And I know people that, I mean, they are just cheerful people. You say, well, they're just cheerful people. That's what they are. God made them cheerful. I don't know why he made me Sad looking, but he made them cheerful. So I can Oh, no, no. Huh. Oh, recapture the joy of your salvation. L- listen, think about what God did for you. He didn't have to, but he wanted to because he loves you. There's nothing, there was nobody that was pushing God saying, God, you got, you got to, oh, you got to make a way for these people down here to get to be with you forever. You got to do this. No, nobody was pushing God around. Amen. He loves you. He loves us, 
And because he does, he said, i got to make a way. I'm making a way. I'm going to send my son Jesus. He's going to go down there. He's going to live a perfect life on this earth. He's going to die on a cross. And when he dies, all of every, I mean, everybody's sins are going to be placed on top of him. Because I'm going to punish him for everybody's sins. He is giving himself up to do this, and that's what I'm doing. And so he's going to die on that cross, and in that process of dying, he's going to provide, in that process of dying, being buried, and being lifted up, being risen from the grave, he's going to be providing salvation for everybody who will believe, everybody who will accept it, everyone who will call on his name, the Bible tells us, will be saved. We must lift Jesus up every day in our lives through how we live. And it's so imperative in this day and time. I, I, I don't know how many preachers I've heard say preach a sermon and say, well, that's more important today than it was yesterday. How, we're trying to emphasize the fact, the, 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 the value of living a Christian life. How important it is for people to know and see. They need to see it. They don't need to see these disgruntled church people out in the world with picket signs picking it against everything they hate. That's No, no, no. No. They need to see Christians with love on their lips, love in their hands, out, reaching out to those who need the love of Christ. That's what they need to see. That's what they need to see. And I truly believe they're looking, but they don't. some of them really don't know what they're looking for. But they will find it when you and I live a life that is pleasing to God. When we live out the love of Christ. We've got to lift Him up. We've got to lift Him up. Maybe you're here this morning. Maybe you're here this morning. You've never given your heart, your life to Christ. Listen, this is not a, oh, I think I'll do this today and it'll be a good thing. Or I think I can just, I'll just accept Jesus in my heart and then I'll go to heaven and that's, that's all I need to do. This is a very, this, in fact, this is the most important decision you will ever make with your life. Who to give it to? Will you give it to God? Will you allow Him to be in charge of your life? That means you're allowing Him to work through you. That means you're allowing Him to show others through your life who He is. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. That means you and I need to learn to follow, be followers. Maybe today you need to make that decision to follow Christ. Have you made that decision to follow Christ? You know, it's not that hard. All you have to do is go to Him, go to God, and say, Dear God, I have sinned against you. I've done things that are repulsive to you. Father, forgive me of my sins. Would you come into my heart and be in charge of my life? It's that simple. It's that simple. Acknowledging who you are, that you are a sinner. I'm a sinner. We're all sinners. But we can be forgiven. And when we ask God to forgive us, the Bible tells us He will. And then we ask Him to be in charge of our lives. We certainly can't run our own lives. We make so many mistakes and poor decisions. We need His help. And God is about the business of making us to be more like His Son, Jesus. That's what He's doing. That's what He's working on. So if you find Christians that are in various stages of growth... It doesn't mean they're not Christians. Some are more like Christ than others. And that means just simply that the others 
should be on their way to being more like Jesus. But you know, it's a, it's a decision. It's a daily decision to follow Christ. Once you follow him for uh, the forgiveness of sins, every day you have to make that decision to live under his leadership, live under his direction. I pray that you've made that decision. If you haven't, you can always go to fbcwinsboro.com, fbcwinsboro.com, and you can email us from that site. Tell us. Ask us questions. Tell us if you've received Christ into your heart. Let us know that God is doing something in your life. We'd love to talk with you about that. Remember, remember, God loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for you on that cross. You deserve to die for your sins, but Jesus died in your place. Praise be to God for who he is. Till next time, remember that you matter to God and to us at the First Baptist Church of Winsboro.